Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. Join your host as we learn from the elite of search engine marketing pros and find the winning formula for exceptional search engine marketing. Get the latest news, trends, and analysis in SEO, PPC, branding, SEO design, and analytics. Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay. Welcome to SEM Synergy. I'm your host, Bruce Clay, here with Virginia Nussi and Mindy Weinstein. Hello, everybody. Hi. Good afternoon. You can listen to SEM Synergy at our new time, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, streaming on webmasterradio.fm, or subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes. Love to have you subscribe there so we can talk every week. Okay, but today I thought maybe we could go backwards a little bit to the SEO mosh pit at PubCon. Um, so we can share that with everyone. The SEO mosh pit was like eight or nine really name recognized thought leaders in the SEO industry, including Bruce and Eric Enge and Mike Grehan, basically names a lot of people would recognize. And Brett Tapp, he started off this hour or so long session with the very first question, what are your predictions for SEO in 2015? And do you remember what you said, Bruce? I know I didn't say I'd retire. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, I was not number one. I was the third or fourth person mm-hmm. to comment. And uh, I think I said that it was going to be mobile. It was going to totally change the landscape for everything. Uh, massive growth, far beyond anything expected. And, and certainly internationally it would be. But within the U.S. it would change everything. So... I think my prediction was that the number one thing would be actually the the rise of mobile. And I think that people would agree with that, but let's it, it deserves a little unpacking. Like what does that mean? Well, okay, let's suppose I'm right and behavior continues to change. And you know when when there's nobody using mobile, it's somewhat revolutionary. And as more and more people use mobile, it becomes less revolutionary. It becomes sort of the thing you do. And as you learn to use mobile, and and that includes myself and everybody else, technology changes. Um, I went from an Android to an iPhone. Uh, totally changed the way I use my device. Um, and I'm not even sure I can still actually talk on that phone because <laughs> I haven't done it in so long. But right. um, it, it gets to the point where what people are actually doing is they are using phones as sort of a micro computer. They're, they're using, big enough for that. Yeah, they, they're right. powerful it's enough to do that. Yeah. They can search the web and they can communicate in text and Skype and Facebook. Do and you use voice search ever? No, I have not yet used voice search. Uh, every time I push the button twice and it asks me hello or whatever it asks me, I quickly push the button again, make it go away. 
I use voice search all the time. I do that more than I type. I don't like trying to type on my iPhone, so I'll do voice search. And it does make a difference how the way I talk and do the search, I know then versus when I type in something. So I think, like you said, it changes behavior. And I'm at the point now, too, because I use my phone for everything. And I think I've said this before on, on other um, of our podcasts, but I will still grab my phone, even if I have my laptop right there and use that instead. And if there's not a mobile platform, when I get on a website, I get annoyed. I'm at that point. I'm annoyed. Like, why does this website not have a mobile version? And I just, I hit the back button and I move on to another one. And chances are, I probably won't go back to that website. I mean, that's become my behavior. And I can't think that that's that abnormal. No, I think, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, and I think that Google has recognized that sites that are not mobile ready are not really, they haven't earned their right to be on the first page. Yeah, in June at SMX Advanced, Miley Oye was on the mobile SEO session and she kind of introduced the new badge that would show up in mobile search results with a website was not mobile friendly. Mm -hmm. And she said, this is a badge you don't want. (laughs) So, you know, this just last six months, I guess, we started seeing that you will be called out for not meeting standards. Mm-hmm. Well, understand also the standards are changing, uh, hence our blog post. Uh, but fundamentally, the kinds of things that were done initially for mobile, dots, not responsive, no dynamic content, all the things that are discussed in the blog post, those things weren't always the way it started. I mean, people would have an M dot, and all it would really do is crush their content. They, they didn't optimize mm-hmm. it. They didn't worry about performance. They didn't have scalable images. They didn't. They'd actually let their images scale down to where it's a quarter-inch square image because they didn't stop it at a certain point. Didn't use appropriate tags. They didn't understand CSS for responsive. And I think that we've seen uh, mobile mature significantly. I will refer you to the blog post that Bruce is talking about. Just uh, this week, or last week, it's called the All-in-One Mobile SEO and Design Checklist. And it's really an updated view of the different complexities of SEO and design for a mobile experience. And the experience, granted, the experience changes. If I'm looking at something on a desktop, like restaurants on a desktop, I may just want to see the pictures and the menu and I want to start planning. Whereas if I do it on a mobile device, I'm lost. Where are you? Your intent is completely different. (laughs) Yeah, and um, for instance, on our own website, even though only couple of percent of people, like 3.5% of the people on our website are mobile, and I think it's our own staff. <laughs> um, nobody searches for search engine optimization on a mobile device, let's face it. I mean, it's pretty wordy, it's That's technical, mm-hmm. it just doesn't happen. Change, sure. But we've actually had to upgrade our mobile experience a number of times, and we've changed it so that as you shrink it down, our phone number becomes more prominent, how to find us becomes more prominent. We've restructured navigation because the intent changed. If you're using a mobile device to find our website, you're probably not looking for training unless you're looking for where is my training center. You're looking for 
how do I find you? How do I call you? I'm on my way to see you, kind of thing. So I think intent is so important. Right, and I think a lot of what you're saying too, I mean, you create your mobile platform, whatever it might be, responsive design, and dot, you're not done with it. Like as you're saying, things evolve, things change. You can't create the version and just say, okay, I've done it, check it off my list. I have my mobile version now. You have to make sure that you're changing with how people are searching, that you're paying attention to what they're looking for. So like for us, our phone number, I mean, I think that's a prime example that you can't just do it and be done with it. Well, our, an eye on things. our blog post, which is on the mobile SEO checklist, I fully expect that we're going to do regular updates. Oh, I'm sure. And, I mean, this is the kind of thing yeah. you really kind of are to bookmark mm -hmm. and come back to because, um, you know, truly six months ago, the technology wasn't the same. You weren't doing anywhere near the dynamic content. And in fact, uh, when dynamic content for mobile first came out, Google actually had uh, issued in uh, their uh, development forum that it was actually cloaking. And now they say as long as the content is identical, it isn't cloaking, they've had to figure out how to do the hash bang and dynamic stuff and all this technical stuff to make it work even to come close. But the, but the experience on a mobile device is purely, it's, it's got its own user interface set of criteria. It doesn't match the desktop. And performance is vital. Uh, we could actually load our homepage faster on a mobile device than on a desktop right now. <laughs> and we're running an Akamai, and it loads faster <laughs> on a mobile device than on a desktop. So I was looking at a study of it was, I think, last month, and it was talking about, and I can't give the exact figures, but it was something that Google published in one of their presentations, and it was like, for each second longer that it takes for a page to load on mobile, like the, the bounce rate, the drop rate, all of that, uh, how many people bounce and move on to the next site. And then they had another percentage, and it was really high. I mean, you'd be surprised, one second can make a difference. And how these people go to a com competitor site and never go back. So, I mean, those are things, page speed, page load speed makes a huge impact on it, so. I'm, I'm guessing that we're also over time not only going to see an increase in frequency of visit from a mobile device, but I think inherently that's going to lead to an increase in conversions, mm -hmm. purchasing, oh, things right. like that. I think this holiday season we're going to finally be able to get some statistics from percentages of conversions mm -hmm. from mobile and percentages of this and that and the other because people are going to be in stores, they're going to, you know, comparison shop on their phones. I do that all the time. <laughs> it's not even Christmas season I'm doing that when I'm in the store. <laughs> well, people do it, and I yeah. think that what we're going to see is this holiday season, it's going to go absolutely mm -hmm. ballistic. And I think that come January when some of these numbers are actually out there, maybe December after, you know, Black Friday, but we're going to see a totally different view of how important mobile is. Uh, I think my prediction was that uh, the industry will get over 90% mobile by one year from now. Um, I think it's gonna happen. And I don't think it's because of the six plus. 
I mean, a no. mobile phone getting to be the size no, of a notebook I, is not the answer. And I think it's just more people adopting it. Because, I mean, for us, we've been on mobile for a while. I mean, we're a little bit more, you know, even in the industry, you get more savvy with things, with technology and devices. But, okay, an example, my mother-in-law, like, she has had her smartphone for a while. She just now figured out probably within the last, I hope she's not listening, but in the last couple of weeks that, oh, wow, I can actually look at websites on here and I can actually shop on here. And so she's been shopping with her phone. And so I think about, we feel like mobile has been around a while, but there's now a whole other groups that are adopting it and are going towards it. So yes, it's technology. Yes, it's devices. And then there's more people um, that are buying in with it. We so. need to also recognize the mobile is far more popular internationally than domestically. Mm -hmm. And all we're really doing is catching up. Mm -hmm. But uh, there are whole countries where by law texting is free because nobody has copper wires or any other way to communicate. And texting yeah. is free and you know, you buy a prepaid phone and all you do is text on it. They don't talk. <laughs> They, they text, and that's what happens. That's a whole different kind of optimization <laughs> behavior need there. That's a different behavior need, yeah. but we have to understand that leads to mobile usage. Okay. Well, I feel like we could keep talking about this, and maybe even like an international aspect of it would be a separate show, but we do have to take a break. Um, Stay right there, though. After the break, we've got a guest. Um, Eric Eng is going to be on the show to share some interesting results of a study they did about comparing different voice assistants, um, Google Now, uh, Bing, Cortana, and, of course, Siri. Um, can you guess which one was the most accurate? It might surprise you, or maybe not, but either way, it's important to know. Okay, stick around. More SEM Synergies on the way. Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. 
Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hello, welcome back to SEM Synergy. This is Virginia Nessie, and I'm joined by Eric Anga. He's the CEO at Stone Temple Consulting. He's a co-author of The Art of SEO, and you might know him recently as the host of the Digital Marketing Excellence Show, which is a popular live Google Hangout on air every Thursday. And he's also a very patient man, (laughs) and technology is a fickle mistress. We all love her, but she's been a real um, witch today. So thank you, uh, Eric, for coming on the show. Uh, My pleasure. Okay. So the business of today, um, earlier in the show, Bruce and Mindy and I were talking about mobile, um, how it's changing, you know, everything we do as marketers and um, none of this could be more well illustrated uh, with a a recent uh, research, some research, research that you've conducted over at Stone Temple. Um, and that is uh, something that people can look up by going to the Great Knowledge Box Showdown or searching for that. It's a comparison of Google Now versus Siri versus Cortana and the answer boxes that they show up. So I guess, um, Eric, what, uh, what was the reason that you wanted to kind of put all this research together? Well, I think the main thing we were looking for, Virginia, was to get an understanding as to uh, where the various engines were in showing answer boxes. And and there's clearly some significant differences with how they're doing these things. Um, So we wanted to get a, a data point on that and measure where it is, but we also intend to update the results over time and show how they progress. So the goal is to have an ongoing measurement of the progress of search engines in doing more and more of this kind of uh, direct answers in the search results. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really awesome thing that you'll keep it up for the benefit of the industry and people who are interested in knowing how direct answers are um, being shown. and. I guess one of the also the interesting things about the study is you kind of summed up the different kinds of answer boxes. So how are the different ways that search engines will, um, search engines or, I don't know, voice assistants in the case of Siri, will 
directly answer a, a question that's been spoken to them? Yes, yeah, so there's a few different flavors of that, right? So one is that you'll get essentially a box with a little bit of direct answer. You might ask, uh, uh, you know, how tall is the Empire State Building? And you, you'll actually get a very short uh, uh, answer uh, back, which will just give you the height in both feet and meters. Um, and you're done. That's the entire answer. But you can ask other kinds of questions, like make French toast. And in Google, at least, it will actually give you a step-by-step -step process in the search results. Uh, and, and so that's pretty interesting. Uh, for Siri, of course, uh, Siri doesn't have a search engine behind it, so it would do things a bit differently. They draw most of their answers, or at least many of their answers, from Wolf Wolfram Alpha which is an alternate uh, search engine. And uh, for those answers, um, they, they're presented on the phone. Uh, but just for fun, because I do want to throw something fun out there for uh, listeners. If you do have an iPhone, uh, activate Siri and, and ask it, why are fire trucks red? And you'll have great <laughs> fun with, with that answer. Um, and Cortana. Uh, draws results uh, you know, out of the Bing database and has some similar variations in search results. Both Google and Bing will show, in some cases, tabbed search results. You can get that by taking your lo local restaurant. Um, there's one here called British Beer Company. And if I type uh, a British Beer Company menu, it will actually give me a tabbed presentation of their entire menu directly in search results. Hmm. And that's on Bing. Uh, that happens. Well, Bing and Google both have uh, variations of how they use tap search results like that. I haven't seen that, but I guess I don't do a lot of voice searching on my phone. But that's I. I feel like I'm quickly becoming the exception. Um. So. Here's another question I have for you. Um. Who who won in terms of um. I don't know, the, the, you measured them on a few different uh, metrics to, to figure out who was more ahead in the, of the game? Yeah, so there were two metrics that we looked at. And the first thing I want to emphasize is we weren't measuring their capabilities as a personal assistant. So the results were very focused on how much coverage and the accuracy you had in providing direct answers to questions. So the, the results I'm going to share with you in a moment aren't a complete summary of the value uh, of the various uh, tools, right? So that's just really important to get across. I mean, Siri and Cortana are much more focused on personal assistance than being answer boxes, but uh, mm -hmm. providers of direct answers. Having said that, um, Google uh, answered 58% of the questions that we asked um, and was the far away winner in terms of uh, comprehensiveness in answering direct questions. And by the way, I should mention in sharing this data that we did deliberately ask questions that we thought might trigger an answer box, right? So Google did that 58% of the time. Uh, Siri answered 29% of the questions. Uh, Cortana answered 20% of the questions. 
Um, and that was one of the major dimensions. The other major dimension was for the questions that each attempted to answer, we also evaluated whether the answer was a complete answer. And let me illustrate what I mean by that. If I asked uh, uh, Google Now, say, how old is the, uh, the Colosseum, you know, meaning the, uh, the, the one in Rome, um, uh, you know, I'm basically asking you, for, you know, to tell me how old it is. And if Google answered it was built in 250 or 215 BC, whatever the answer is, we would have scored that as not directly answering the question. So they didn't ask you when it was built. And yes, I could do the math, right? But, you know, I wanted to give me the answer and not force me to do that kind of thinking. So we were kind of harsh in how we evaluated whether questions were completely answered or not. Um, and again, you know, on Google, which answered 1,795 of the questions we answered, it, uh, it actually directly answered 88% of those questions. Um, Siri, which, uh, because it only had 29% of the questions it attempted to answer, of the 908 that it attempted to answer, only 53% of them were, was the answer a direct answer. And the comparable stata, uh, 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 statistic for Katana was uh, 40%. So Google won pretty handily on both uh, scores. That's fascinating. And, but I like the caveat, too. Maybe Google is really good at answering questions, but Siri could be more useful in an assistant. Now they just need to combine the two, right? <laughs> and then yeah, no, that's right. I mean, so uh, it, it's not a complete assessment of everything that Siri is. And, um, uh, you know, it's an assessment of one particular aspect. Okay, so again, that was what percent of the time that Google delivered a, or tried to answer a question directly? So, uh, well, Google uh, provided answers 58% of the time, and 88% of the time it, the answer was a direct answer to the question. Here's one more percent to throw in that I think is really interesting for marketers. 75% of the time, Google attributed the source of the answer. So that means 25% of the time, the website that um, gave them that answer isn't getting a link. Uh, that's correct. Now, that part of the data is uh, specific uh, to, uh, um, uh, I believe that was specific to the step-by-step instructions, uh, mm. uh, and uh, no, that was actually general. 25% you know, of the time, but you see, an example of where it wouldn't link to the source, just to be clear, uh, is if we asked how many quarts there are in a gallon, Google doesn't need okay. a website source for that. That's, that they have, but that's a known public domain fact. So if you think about it, uh, and you understand some of the legal subtleties of this, and I am no lawyer, but uh, as I understand it, if it's public domain information, they don't have a need to link to a source, right? So if you ask what the capital is of Washington State, uh, and while many would rush to answer Seattle, I think it's actually Olympia, but whatever it actually is, the, the information is public domain information, and there's no need to provide attribution. Uh, so that's so that twenty five percent you think pretty well is explained by public domain. That's a relief.
how do you think that, like, direct answers and, um, you know, voice or, or otherwise kind of plays into our job as marketers, you know, answer boxes and, and the knowledge box and the like, um, or even as, as SEOs in particular in, in trying to get traffic and visibility to our site? So you're asking me, how do I get me some? <laughs> no. <laughs> do you think that the, um, no, yeah, do you think that knowledge boxes is, are going to kind of hit website owners in a negative way? Well, uh, I think uh, if you get called out in a knowledge box and there is in fact a link included because it's not just public domain information, uh, I, I think it's a godsend. You're, you're, you're like, you're popping the champagne because your traffic uh, on that particular query is going to soar. Um, um, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a wonder if you, you, you get it for your site. Um, and uh, I, if I were an SEO, oh wait, I am, um, I, I would look to try to um, get in position to have this happen uh, for my site. Now, to do that, you have to have a site that's seen as being highly authoritative, uh, and you need to have a page which is perceived to provide a, uh, a, a comprehensive answer in an easily parsable manner. Now, I, I threw out uh, three large concepts in a single sentence. But, mm -hmm. um, but they're all the key, I believe, to being called out in these uh, uh, answer boxes or knowledge boxes, as we called it. It's something to to have a target for, for sure. Um, well, I think this is a fascinating study, and people, um, we kind of just brushed the surface, but people can read the whole thing by doing a search for the Great Knowledge Box Showdown, Google Now versus Siri versus Cortana, and it's also um, on stonetempleconsulting.com. Is that your, your uh, Stone Temple. It's actually stonetemple.com. There you go. Um, and what was that? Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you can see it. Actually, go to stonetemple.com slash blog. And it's probably the fourth article in the list right now, but it's uh, it's definitely uh, uh, right there. Perfect. And I think that um, to get more from Eric, you should do yourself a favor and follow him on Google+. Plus. Um, the Digital Marketing Answer Show is uh, every Thursday. What's your topic this week, Eric? Uh, actually, for varying reasons, we don't have a show planned for this week, embarrassing to say. Um, sometimes we get little schedule gaps due to um, other things going on in the business. Uh, somehow, uh, right. I actually still have to make a living some of the time too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we have some upcoming shows. Uh, we're looking to get some of the. Uh, 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 looks like we're going to have uh, people from uh, LO and Sue, the new social media networks, uh, join us for shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, other things like that that we have lined up and and, uh, and coming soon, so we're very excited about that. Awesome! I love what you're doing over at Google Plus and with Hangouts. Um, people should take a look and and take a page from your book for sure. Thank you for coming on the show, Eric. Well, thanks so much for having me, Virginia. My pleasure. 
All right, everybody. Um, while you're at Google+, you should go ahead and circle Bruce Clay, Inc. too. Um, we'll have more for you on interesting things like mobile and sharing studies like um, Eric here. Um, and I hope to see you again next week here on SEM Synergy. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.